Well, I'll tell the people that are holding stocks not to start drinking too much because they're so frustrated, right? Because there's a lot of frustration. There's a lot of emotion. There's a lot of anger because we exposed a huge error in the market as, as, as the little guy, right? And, and, and to show that it's almost like the big banks when they, bail, they get bailed out in, in these other companies. Hi, welcome to Ready to Scale Season 3. I'm your host, Ellie Perlman. I'm a real estate investor, syndicator, and operator of multifamily properties. And in this season, we're going to focus on dialogues that drive success. Building real wealth is not a fairy tale nor rocket science, but there's so much to learn. So grab a cup of coffee and join me each week for in-depth conversations with successful real estate investors. Conversations that are designed to help you drive your wealth, investment, knowledge, and lifestyle to the next level. And of course, you can always go to my website, elliperlman.com, to read more about investing passively in multifamily. This is Ellie Perlman, and today I'm speaking with Jesse Tedisco. So Jesse is the founder of 46 and 2 Wealth Partners, an advisory and management services firm. He lives in Atlanta, Georgia, which, as you know, is one of our top markets. And he's the host of the Jesse T Show. I was on his show a few weeks ago. And he's a proud father of two sons, Grayson and William. Welcome to the show, Jesse. So great to be here, Ellie. Thank you for you and your listeners and everybody that's going to consume this for their time. And I'm so excited to have this conversation with you. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we were chatting before we kind of hit the record, you know, button. You have a very interesting name. Your business is called 46 and 2 Wealth Partners. What is the whole name is about? Okay. So a long time ago, I found a band or the band found me. The band's name is Tool. And Tool are these conscious, awoken musicians that are into plant medicines and spirituality. They're into science. They're into a lot of different things. So it's, it's interesting because I'm into all those things. And one of their songs is called 46 and 2. And 46 mm. and 2 means a few things. They, they talk about shadow work in that, in that song, which means working on repressed parts of your psyche so that you could show up better for yourself in the world. They talk about 46 and 2, which is an extra pair of chromosome that if we were to evolve from our current disharmonious state as a human where we are now, the next step would be this evolved consciousness where we have unity consciousness, where you and I would be able to connect and grow harmoniously. And it's essentially about evolving together. And then there's a science behind this. There's a, a Russian scientist, Melchizedek, I think it's pronounced. And he basically talks about how there's grids that support every species of life on the earth. These are things that are real. And a new a grid would have to be created so that the species could evolve and live. And there's all different grids for all different types of species. And there's one coming online potentially for our next step in evolution. So the whole idea behind it is doing the work, showing up well, and then evolving together as my client family. So instead of just being a financial planning company that's in it for the sale and in it for the next kill, we take on a client for life and we grow with them. Wow, that's such a deep meaning to uh, a company name. You know, mine is Bullet Capital. It just sounded good. So I, I said, hey, I just started Bullet Capital, you know? There was no deep meaning behind it. That's that's fantastic. That's really great. So you are a, I would say, non-traditional financial planner, right? You're, you're helping investors, high net worth individuals and companies to manage their finances and investments. And- Obviously, you know, we cannot 
we can't really escape the topic of of covid you know it's it's present it's here it's impacting almost every aspect of our lives especially investments we i'm really curious to hear your thoughts about you know managing your finances managing your investments during covid and also what i kind of interesting mistakes that you see others, you know, doing and maybe mistakes, not the right, you know, name for it, but kind of things that you would have recommend them to do differently. You know, we're, we're different just for some context. Our company is different by choice and we're different in the sense that we're a fiduciary. So out of 400,000 financial services professionals in the United States alone, only 5% of us are fiduciaries, which means there is no conflict of interest between us and our client. We've gone above and beyond with licensing. And we actually, the Series 65 is a, is, is, is a legal license. So, so we are mm-hmm. a fiduciary to give advice on all matters of the heart when it comes to finance. And so it puts us in perfect alignment with our clients. And we have to put their best interest above ours, where the industry standard for the other 95% is a suitable standard, where this may be suitable for you. It may not be. But for us, it has to be in, in their client's best interest. So I think that's the distinction, the first thing I'd like to make. The second thing that you're talking about is the state of the market, the state of the world, the state of people's mental health. And this plays heavily into finance. So I'm a, a psychology buff. Um, started talking about shadow work. I, I'm a disciple of Carl Jung, who's a father of psychology and all these different things from archetypes. And people are people. And so when I, when I bring a client into my business, there's a lot of emotional calibration with like a 16 personalities. And then there's the Colby assessment, which tells me how they operate and how they take action so that I can coach them based on who they are and help them either to take action or more importantly, not take action. And this plays into what we're talking about now. So people are emotional and they are behavioral. Most people, and the reason why I'm in business specifically is most people have not been taught the right emotional and behavioral ways to conduct their financial transactions. Can you give me an example? Yeah. Case in point, when someone gets upset, they go and they do some retail therapy, especially recently this last year with COVID, it's been Amazon's been, been blowing up. And now yeah. actually Jeff Bezos is going to step down as CEO, which is interesting. But the idea is growing up in Boston, and you know my story, I was a poor kid growing up in Boston. We didn't have a lot of money. And you know, when we did have money, it was like things that like you probably shouldn't have been spending on. Like we would go on like a beach trip or a vacation, like something like mm-hmm. that versus like things you probably should have like investing or saving or paying down debt. But because people aren't generally taught these things at a young age, they don't have the right skill set. And so as they become adults, yeah. they self-soothe with purchases. You know, they might go through a midlife crisis and go buy a Corvette because they live next to a college and want to go impress like some young guys and girls. Like these things happen. And so Regardless of pandemic, regardless of economy, because the economy is cyclical, real estate and, and the stock market are very similar where we'll go on a bull market or we'll go on a stretch of 10 years or so where everything is up. And then through the course of history, everything comes down for about a year to two, whether it's a pandemic, whether it's the real estate, whether whatever it is. And so the whole idea is building the right emotional behaviors, building the right mindset when it comes to money so that you could deploy those tools in a, in, a, in a down economy. And I'll tell you this, for myself personally, and for a bunch of my clients, we absolutely crushed during the economy back in March last year, almost a year ago, because we were prepared, prepared with cash flow, prepared with assets to be able to go ahead and say, you know what, this, this stock over here is 70% off. Mm-hmm. It's a well-valued company. It's a strong company. It's got a great, you know, all these things that look good. 
we'll go ahead and we'll double down and we'll put money in this thing because we believe it's going to come back and it has come back and then some. And so the whole idea is just, it's a long game. Real estate in certain segments is a long game. Sometimes it's not. Financial planning is the same way. And it's all emotionally and behavioral driven. Like once you have the right information, you got to be able to control yourself to be able to deploy that information. Yeah. And speaking of emotions, you know, I think you're, you're spot on. It's, especially when you invest in the stock market, emotions can run pretty high. I mean, if you, if you invest in real estate, for instance, there's some excitement towards the beginning when you decide to invest, when you decide to purchase. And then once you own it, it should be kind of a stable, right? Unless something, you know, happens such as, you know, hurricane or, or a fire or something, you know, like that. And when it comes to the stock market, emotions are what driving kind of the stock market, you know, the fear, fears or excitement or the, you know, how, how investors are basically assessing a certain company and, and how much pressure they have, you know, at that moment to buy or to sell. And I feel like even though this is a real estate podcast, our listeners are ultra high net worth individuals and family offices and most of them, the vast majority of, of the listeners are investing in real estate, but also invest in the stock market, which this is kind of your, your bread and butter. And I feel that we can't really have a proper conversation without talking about Reddit and GameStop. What are your thoughts about what happened there? You know, we, we saw a beautiful example of how the market's supposed to work. And, you know, you have all these Redditors, Reddit, you know, the, the site and the, these people that went in and they created a market and they created a demand and it got very interesting very quickly to the point where the market was working the way that it was supposed to. And then you have, you know, this hedge fund, which I won't throw out names just for legality reasons, but everybody knows the name, it's in the news and they cratered the market. They went ahead and they stopped trading for the little guy and the little girl. Yeah. And that's not fair. That's, that's completely not fair. And, and it, it goes to show you that even though that we're in a free market and a, and a capitalistic society, the big guys and girls that have all the money and all the power can control and dictate. And it's really scary. And so you're going to see a lot of interesting things. I mean, right now the FBI and the SEC has gotten involved with understanding what's going on with that specific hedge fund and yeah. you know their relationship to Robinhood, where Robinhood was supposed to be you know steal from the rich and give to the poor. It was supposed to be the little guy and the little girl's trading platform. And they paused trading because of their relationship with this hedge fund. And so there's so many things that are going to happen in terms of fallout. And then what I think is going to happen, it's going to be beautiful is we're starting to become more sophisticated as a society when it comes to real estate, financial planning, and just matters of business. And I think there's going to be some beautiful opportunity to be able to come from this and grow from this and be able to do different things. And, and honestly, my whole goal for myself as a human being is to be as free as I can be, to be a completely sovereign being. And you're going to see a lot more freedom play when it comes to things that are going down in the future. And you might see more disruption. I mean, you know, crypto has been hanging around for a while and, you know, it still mm -hmm. hasn't been quite perfected yet, but the ledger, the blockchain that's behind it, it can completely disrupt all like the entire world. So I think you're going to see more things like this evolve at a faster rate because people are starting to get pissed off and people are getting smarter. Yeah, definitely, definitely getting smarter. And, you know, Mark Cuban went on Reddit two days ago and basically, you know, supported them. And literally, you know, he was encouraging them to keep doing it. And it's interesting to see a billionaire kind of, I'm not saying he's the underdog, he's, you know, very wealthy, but really 
he was on the little guys, little guys, you know, sides, which was kind of interesting to see. So, you know, obviously a lot has been going on in the stock market recently, a lot of emotions and people that are investing for the sake of just, you know, sticking it to the, to the wealthy guys. And you normally don't see people say, oh, I bought this, uh, the stock at a high record price. You, you normally want to buy when it's low. If you think it's going to go up again, I'm wondering what's going to happen with, um, all the individuals that purchased those shares. And I think, I think today it's, I mean, it started at, a few weeks ago, it was 30 and then went all the way almost at $400. And now it's back. I believe it's $90. That was as of yesterday. What do you think is going to happen with all the those who hold those stocks? Well, I'll tell the people that are holding stocks not to start drinking too much because they're so frustrated, right? Because there's a lot of frustration. There's a lot of emotion. There's a lot of anger because we exposed a huge error in the market as as, as the little guy, right? And, and, and to show that it's almost like the big banks when they bail, they get bailed out and, and these other companies. And so, you know, as far as what they're going to do, a lot of them have taken a bath in a bad way. A lot of them, you know, tried to get in and, and you got in it over the normal market price. And now the market price is already coming down. I mean, so I know this one guy that I follow who's really interesting. Uh, he's the founder of Barstool Sports, Dave Portnoy. He's a day trader, but he's also this, this founder of this company. He's lost like $700,000 already between Nokia and, you know, AMC and like all these different things that got spiked really quickly. So my, my, my advice to everyone, right, is the market is cyclical. Don't chase or try to time the market. Out of all the money managers in the world, these are like big companies like hedge funds and different things. Only 4% of them are ever beating the market when it comes to timing in the market. It's luck of the draw. It's, it's not a science. They'll tell you it's a science till they're blue in the face, but it's not. You got to look at guys like Warren Buffett, and this is not sexy at all, but Warren Buffett's, you know, got his first stock when he was 11, which doesn't make sense. For an 11-year-old back in the, you know, 30s or 40s, whatever it was, to buy a stock, right? It's pretty incredible to think about. And his whole idea is he's, he looks at stocks, he looks at the companies, he looks at the fundamentals of the companies, he looks at the revenue and the strength and the management of the company. And he's, he's a big long-term guy. He's someone, he's like, if you're not going to hold a stock for 10 years or more, you probably shouldn't. Now, again, there's other ways to do things when it comes to today's market. But the idea that I'm trying to de deploy here is it's a long-term game. You want to get in low, like you said, if possible, and get out high. And if you're trying to get out quickly, fast, and the market's always spiking, every day it goes up and down. And so for those people that have stocks, if you're looking at the stock market every day, you're probably like losing hair or getting gray hair. You need to be able to have someone like a financial advisor or somebody who's a fiduciary to say, hey, listen, I got this. Let's check in once a month, once a quarter, once a year, whatever our frequency is, because everyone's different. Let me take care of this. And so I think the big thing is... You're going to see more things like this in the future. You're going to see up and down. You're going to see all these crazy, you know, headlines and all this, you know, uh, fanfare. But if you can have the fundamentals of a buy and hold strategy, if that makes sense for you, if you can have the fundamentals mm -hmm. of emotional behavior and, and how to react or not react, which is the most important thing, I think that's what's going to set people apart moving forward. And, and also the biggest thing, Ellie, is being prepared so when the next thing happens, you could take advantage of it. Whether that means you're prepared to get into syndication and buy a bunch of units, whether that means you're prepared to go head first into the market and buy a bunch of stocks, whatever this is, cash is king. And this is at any level that you're at. If you're ultra high net worth, the whole game is keeping more of your money and it's mm -hmm. taxation strategies and it's, yep. it's ways to pay less in taxes. 
And if you're at the bottom of the barrel and you're brand new and you're starting out or whatever, this, the concept is the same. It's keeping more money and it's paying less in taxes legally. So that whole strategy of just cash flow is really huge for me. And I deploy that with all my clients. Yeah, absolutely. And I love what you what you've said about the two things interesting things that you've said. One is basically not be overly emotional, not let emotions, you know, kind of drive you crazy and dictate your decisions. I think it's a, an important part of the art of financial planning. It needs to be planned, not you, you don't have to be, you know, reactive. The second thing you mentioned is the long-term hold, which is very hard to do because when you see something, it's, you know, it kind of, you really need to fight the urge not to sell the stock, which you can't really do it in multifamily, for instance. Um, and I want to talk about this in, in a second, but there's a head of a family office that I respect very much. And he basically said, you know, when I said, I, I don't know about the stock market, I, I don't feel comfortable about it. I, I know I'm going to, it's going to drive me crazy. You know, basically his position is, you buy a stock and you forget about it. You don't try and sell it right away. And over a decade, he's made a lot of money in the stock market because he didn't blink. He didn't get nervous when everyone, you know, started selling or buying. He looked at the fundamentals and he kind of took the emotion out of out of the game. And it's really hard to do, by the way, because investment and emotions, they they go hand in hand. Can I tell you what this is? It's it's a yeah. tried and true. It's a D word. It's discipline. And yes. this is why personal trainers exist, nutrition coaches, you know, life coaches, absolutely, uh, financial advisors, people that are in the advice or information business. This is why we exist because it's it's an accountability deal where if you don't have the discipline, you hire somebody that can help you have the discipline or do it for you, or at least try to teach you how to have discipline. The reason why he's been so successful is it's tried and true. It's discipline. It's yeah. it's not freaking out. It's back in 08 when we had you know the housing crisis and people lost their 401ks be, you know because they went in and they cashed them out and they already lost 50% and they took the rest out. And th those have more than come back even just a few years after the market started returning. And so here's the deal. Knowing that the market is cyclical, knowing that we go on these runs on average since the 1930s when the stock market was created, Every 10 years, we go on a high and then we go on a reset, whether it's recession, whether it's a faux depression, whatever it is, but it's anywhere from a year to two years to recover. And then we go back mm -hmm. on another cycle. And so knowing yep. that these cycles are going to come and we're in the middle of a, a pretty much a, even though the, the stock market has been kind of interesting through this, so to speak, you know, correction, being prepared, number one, for the next big change, mm -hmm. having the discipline to stay the course and controlling your emotions. I think those are the big three things that I would, I would implore on people. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's interesting because in syndications, if you invest, you know, in a real estate syndication and you're part of, uh, let's say 215 units and you invested a year ago, come March, if you, you know, some investors, I think would have wanted to sell their share, right? Because, they would say, hey, uh, we're not going to get any rents, you know, the cash is going to be down and the sky is falling, basically. And in a syndication, you don't, you know, one of the disadvantages is that you don't have that flexibility, right? In real estate in general, it's not liquid. You can't just, you know, sell your position and, and sell the, you know, your stock in the stock market. 
but then like you've mentioned the disciplined and basically we're kind we're not financial advisors but we manage the investment for our investors and we actually made them in on some assets more money than before covid so because they were not freaking out because they were saying you know we trust you as as an operator even though we're not sure what's going to happen and we said you know i called every investor and i said this just happened, you know, COVID just happened. It's March. It's, it was early March. I'm not sure what's going to happen, but you know, cash flow might be down. We may pause on distributions. I mean, everything was, was okay for the most part, but you have some, you know, when you have this investment that is not liquid, there's so much, you know, that you're invested to some extent because you know, you can't really sell it. And also when you have someone that manages the deal for you, that's another layer between you and the investment. So you kind of take the emotions, you know, out of the equation. Yep. That's what they pay you for. I mean, they pay you to, yeah. if you're managing, if you're, you know, some sort of intermediary on the deal where the, you're, you're helping this investor and this is the investment, it's really on you to be that consultant, that guiding light, that coach, that mentor, that safe space. You know, sometimes clients call me because they just need some like certainty and they need safety and they need, I'm not making the business of making guarantees, but if it's just to lend an ear, if it's to hear them out, if it's just to hold space for them and show up for them and, and, and just let them throw up all over me in terms of like what's going on, then we can kind of start picking through and seeing like the steps that we need to take to help them get to the place where they want to be. So absolutely. Yeah, yeah, 100%. So Jesse, as a financial advisor, what is your most recommended strategy when it comes to investing in 2021? The biggest thing I could say is it's who you surround yourself with. And you want to have a board of directors around you at all times, whether that's a fiduciary, whether that's a CPA, whether that's a real estate expert, people that are giving you sound advice as you go along, most importantly, giving you advice on how not to screw up. And so when people hire me, they think they're hiring, hiring me on how to make more money and how to you know, get gains in the market and how to you know, scale this business and whatever it is. That's part of it. But the bigger part of it is how not to screw up as much, how to look at things in a perspective where you don't put yourself at risk and, and you make bad decisions. And so you have to have experts around you, no matter if it's 2021, 2025, 2030. And the way to do this is by finding people that you like, people that you trust, and people that are competent. And so the importance of having, and I was, I was kind of thinking about this, was uh, I used to be in a business where I was in a commission-based business and I was selling products and services and I wasn't too happy with that business. And so I got out, I got out of this business. And to do that, I had to find a mentor to do that. And this mentor was someone who was 20 years ahead of me who could tell me exactly what to do and how to do it, but most importantly, not to screw up. And so this mentor also taught me the importance of the rule of thirds. And so the rule of thirds is number one, find people that are ahead of just where you are to help raise you up where you want to be, whether that's business, relationships, health and wellness, finance. The next set of that third bucket, the rule of thirds, is find people that are kind of just where you are that you can kind of go through seasons of life with. You can share and trade notes. You can talk about war stories, so to speak, and hey, what's working for you? What's not working for you? And kind of have like a network of like-minded people. And then that bottom rule of thirds are the people that are going to be the ones that are just coming, coming up. And so you can now take this wealth of knowledge and transfer it to those people that want to do the same thing that you just did. And so I think the biggest answer to all of that is surround yourself with your board of directors, people that you like, that you trust, that are, that are knowledgeable, that you want to do life with. That's an awesome, awesome 
you know, insight. And it's not easy to do. It's not easy to find people that you trust, people that have good track record. It's And I love that concept of, you know, looking to diversify, sort of speak, you know, your, your network with people that you can look up to, people that are at your level and people that look up to you. So you can, in a way, also give back and, and keep that, you know, momentum going. Thank you so much, Jesse. So right now we just basically arrived to the last part of the discussion today, and that's the lightning round questions. The first one is about your favorite hobby, which I'm sure, which I, th- I think I know what it is, but I'm going to let you talk about it. What do you think it is? I believe it's your favorite hobby is actually something to do with spirituality. So that, that would be my guess. I don't know if I would consider that a hobby. My favorite hobby is 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 probably going to be more centered around health and wellness in terms of things like running and martial arts, playing nice. with my kids outside, staying young for as long as I can so that I could be in my kids' lives meaningfully. That's kind of the hobby would be health and wellness, biohacking, if that's a, if that's a thing. Biohacking, uh, op- op- love it. Yeah, optimizing my life so that I could show up well for myself and others. That's beautiful. And what's the one thing that most people don't know about you and you feel comfortable sharing with us? It'll go back to your spirituality point. So it ties all together. So about a year ago, I was introduced to what's called sacred plant medicines. And there are indigenous tribes that have been administering sacred plant medicines for tens of thousands of years for spiritual growth, for personal growth, for insights into life and peeling back the curtain to kind of see what life's all about. And I started my journey just about a year ago. And my first sitting with, uh, it was psilocybin mushrooms, sat with psilocybin mushrooms in a sacred kind of uh, space, a safe space. And it completely changed me as a human being for the better. And so once a quarter, I sit with a plant medicine. I'm going to be going to Peru in May with a bunch of badass dudes that are uh, ex-military like myself, that are entrepreneurs currently, but they have this spiritual side to them as well. We're going to go sit with ayahuasca in the jungle of Peru, and we're going to figure out some stuff about life and some stuff about how to operate in the world. So I'm looking forward to that. So that's probably one thing that most people are just starting to hear about. Interesting. All right. And what do you wish you had known when you first started out? That it was okay to fail. Failing is actually a key to success because if you're afraid to fail, you're not going to grow. And if you don't fail, you're never going to learn. And so when people talk, I tell people about, I've had four businesses uh, in my life since a kid, as a, I was a kid, I was an entrepreneur, but four businesses after my military career that were real businesses. And two of them were what people would call failures. They you know, were started up and we didn't do well and we shut them down. And it was just lack of knowledge and it was lack of a few different things, preparedness. But those two failures, as people could call them, I never refer to them as failures, but I refer to them as learning lessons. And they've completely shaped and molded me as a human, but also as a business operator to know how to operate. And you just get better as life goes on. As long as you're a student and you're learning and you're seeking and you're growing and you're finding the mentors and you're finding out the information. My last two companies, which one that I'm running now, 46 and two wealth partners, one before that was Tedisco Financial. I exited out of that so I could create 46 and two wealth partners have been successful. And so I would just say fail faster. Fail faster. Love it. And then what's your number one advice to high net worth individuals and family offices that want to scale and grow their real estate portfolio in 2021? Contact Ellie Perlman. (laughs) 
All right. That's surprising. No, but good advice. Good advice. Um, so Jesse T, if people, investors want to reach out to you and discuss with you financial planning, investments of any sort, where can they find you? So my, my biggest place that you can get me, there's I have a, what's called a link tree and it has all my stuff in there, but just my website mm -hmm. is 46and2wealthpartners.com. It's the numbers four, six, the word and the number two, and then wealthpartners with an S.com. The other places you can find me are on Instagram. It's at Jesse, J-E-S-S-E -S -S -E underscore the, the word T, which is our family nickname, T-E-E. -E. So at Jesse underscore T. And then I do a lot of stuff on LinkedIn too. And that'll be under Jesse to Disco, T-O-D as in David, I-S-C-O. All right. Wonderful. Jesse, thank you so much for giving me the last 40 minutes, you know, of this day. So it's not even 4 p.m. It's not the end of the day, but I appreciate you sharing, you know, some insights and information with me and the listeners. Thank you so much. It's been beautiful. Thanks so much for having me. All right, and that's it for today, guys. Be bold, be great, and keep moving forward, and I'll see you on the next episode. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>